Let us see what the future holds. Hello, listeners, and welcome yet again to What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. I am one of three hosts. I am one of three. <laughs> That's my Borg designation. I'm one of three. I am Brandy Jackola, and with me today, obviously, both my co-hosts. First of all, Christopher D. Littlefield. How the hell are you today? Hello, I am two of three. <laughs> I'm great. Good. Glad to hear it. You look well. You look well. Thank you. You're I welcome. feel well. Good. I love that. I love that. And of course, my darling husband, my David, my light, my life, David Jekyll. How are you today? I am three of three. Yes, you I'm are. doing all right. Had a day off. <laughs> Spent a lot of it relaxing. So yeah. And band <sighs> camp Friday. So that's always fun. Yeah, supporting independent artists. I had to find the words. I stuttered. Yep. Yep. And some of them not so independent that still use Bandcamp. Yep. And you do that every first Friday of every month. That's very cool. Because Bandcamp waives the fee that they charge artists on that day. So it's a good day to uh, fill your boots, as the Brits would say. Fill your boots, huh? As, as in your trunk of your car. Oh, right. The boot of mm-hmm. your car. Right. Instead of the bonnet. Yep. yep. Yeah, the bonnet's the hood. The boot's the trunk. Yep. Junk in the trunk. Junk in the trunk. Bees yeah. in the bonnet. Bees in your bonnets. <laughs> Don't want bees in your bonnets. They sting your mechanic. That would be yep. bad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> off the rails already. Of course. That's not that's not a record though. I'm sure we've gone off earlier no. than that. But oh, anyway, okay. we are here to talk about something. And that something is Star Trek Discovery, season four, episode three. Choose to live. Please, friend. <laughs> Choose to live. All right. So we've got a lot going on in this episode. There oh like my god. Three stories and they're kind of all very yeah. important. An A plot, an A plot, and an A plot. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yep, it's it's good for me. So we've got uh let's just cover each one and uh that way we don't have to switch back and forth between things. Well, meanwhile, this is going on. So yeah. uh let's start with probably the s- smallest one which is <laughs> a3 a3 uh which is uh book and stamets going to mm. the navarre science institute mm-hmm. with the data they collected from the anomaly and uh got some uh fun moments with the navarans it's hard not to say vulcans it's really hard not to say vulcans it is yeah yeah but I love Tarina, and anytime we get to see Tarina, I'm happy. And uh, it's it's funny how Stamets didn't want Book to go, not because he didn't think he had anything to offer, but because he was trying to protect him. And I'm like, oh, now he's he's now he's Book's daddy too. <laughs> that just... made me feel so warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> I know he just he he had identifies with book and he just wants to protect him and that's just to see that coming from stamets who used to be the most prickly pair on the ship right i just love that development of his character because it's more like 
is getting more close to what Anthony Rapp is like. I mean, he's a really caring, wonderful person. So it's, uh, I'm thinking that it's nicer for him, but it's still fun to be a prickly pear. It's fun to play a, a jerk a lot of time. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> it's, very, it's very easy. It's easy to be a jerk, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, unfortunately so. Look at the world That's why so many us. people do it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they go to Navarre, and they talk to the scientists. And um, Stamets does warn Book, you know, I can't describe the problem to them without a very explicit recounting of what happened to you and your planet and books just like no i'm all in on this i have to be part of something i have to be doing something Mm -hmm. and i understand that because he isn't yet ready to sit with his grief he's not ready for that yet he's still focusing on other things which we we find out we kind of have an idea of what he's been focusing on because he keeps seeing leto running to go show his friends you know his his pendant and all those sort of things and yet we don't really know exactly what's going on in book's mind but we find that out in this episode yeah that he just doesn't know if leto knew how much book loved him and appreciated him that was definitely a cry point for me oh my god there was a a long sustained uh Mm -hmm weeping yeah uh, the last several minutes of the episode well the minute that i knew book was going down there i'm just like there's gonna be a mind meld there's mm-hmm. going to be a mind meld did you hear the orc the score when she first started talking about the mind meld it was like dun 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 <laughs> so cool speaking of the score the very first well that's we're not to that part yet but there were nods to like original scoring from like back in the original series days so it was kind of nice little throwback but yes we appreciate that since we're talking about the trip to navarre uh before they even go stamets shows what his theory is and gets michael in there to say you know to look at his data and he's got these yes. four out of five steps as to it being like a nascent EDM. no uh wormhole a proto yeah, wormhole. wormhole what did he call it the uh the shortened of it. The A-D-A. it's dark matter anomaly, so DMA. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Not the DMZ, not EDM, not NDA. Nope. Not DNA. <laughs> not NDA. Not NDA. DDS. No. Not P- not DHS. <laughs> not NHS. FBI. Not S and M. CIA. Not SNL. Oh, CBS. Sorry. ABC. TDY. Oh my God! What are we doing? TNT. Sorry. TBS. My fault. AEW. Oh. oh. Yes. I actually yes. wanted to talk about that scene because yes, please. There are two things that I really loved about it. Uh, apart from the sciencey stuff, we got to see him working like on the hologram dry Display. erase board mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever yeah. but it was all handwritten yeah. and i thought that was so cool it was i it was just cool to see it it wasn't represented digitally it was like he had written everything with his finger or something or mm-hmm. i don't know a stylist but it was so cool to see that it felt it felt awesome yeah i really love the visual effects <laughs> 
for this season. It's still taking some getting used to that everything is now just in their com badge. Right. I know. And they can just bring up displays like that anytime they have a com badge on. So I do love that. Mm, it's um, uh, very goodwill hunting. Just like yeah. a oh, chalkboard. Yeah. Like mathematical like formulas. Yeah. Spot season two. two on the wall. Yeah. Well, it was um, on on the floor actually. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all was, over the floor. In my mind, it's all over the wall and the floor mm. and everything. But, <laughs> yeah. You know. The other thing that I really loved, and I DM'd Brandy about this, was Captain Burnham in this scene interacting with Stamets when she's sitting there, and she is somehow she has this combination of scientific mind she's like oh yeah tachyons whatever she knows you know she's a scientist we have to remember Mm -hmm. uh first and so she has this scientific curiosity and she's contributing to the hypothesis and all of that but then there's also a warmth and like an empathy there but also like it was just incredible to me like there was a couple of interactions and a couple uh, she just feels so mature and she's right where she should be and there were there was some interaction, some energy there that reminded me of Janeway. I was like, oh, this is how Janeway would go and talk to Balana or something. And it just felt like, oh, she is really sitting in that captain's chair and it is right where she belongs. And it just she's different this season. You can I can feel it and I can see it. And Sonique was amazing yes. for what she brings to it in just such a short amount of time. It just when it's right, it's right. And it makes me want to just say fuck you to all of those people who were hating on him last season. Because <laughs> I'm like, see, she made it. She earned it. This is her rightful place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing is, is that they'll complain about whatever is going on just to complain about it. Because they we start Discovery and she's not the captain. So this show is about someone who's not the captain. Why isn't it about the captain? Well, she's the captain now. Well, I don't want her to be captain. She doesn't right. deserve to be captain. She's not capable of being captain. It's like, you just make up your fucking minds. Oh, wait, you just change the goalposts whenever you want. That's yeah. what trolls do. Yeah, you just want to be a jerk. Yeah. You, you cannot allow yourself to enjoy things or envision like observe things from a different perspective because you are so rigid in your thinking yeah but those people aren't listening to our podcast anyway they're not they're (laughs) They're really not they they're so sad in their existence and they have to make everybody (laughs) else sad with them so that they can have company because it's true the old adage that misery loves company yeah so yeah it's just yeah i was also uh, there was a Instagram video that was uh, with Grisha Phillips. They were talking about the costumes for this season and the mm-hmm. design. And Sonequa talks about the hair and how it's not like the big, thick box braids. She's got the smaller braids and what that represented to her. It was a really cool interview with Grisha and then, you know, some chiming in from the actors too. I love it. I haven't had time to watch all this stuff yet. <sighs> So much to watch and so little time because I want to watch. I still haven't watched the ready room with for this episode because I know that Will had Blue and um, Ian Ian on. I wanted to say Gray. I <laughs> like what's the actor's yeah. name? Oh my god, I know it's Ian. I know it's Ian. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. And uh, I he adores those two, it, and they adore him. And I just mm-hmm. want to watch that and see the love fest happen. Well, they because. have a lot in common because you know they're all these 
child actors that have appeared on Star Trek. And mm-hmm. there's a certain burden that comes with that. Yeah. Well, it's not only that, but they're, you know, they're representatives of uh, characters that we've never had on Trek before. Right. You know, they're first timers, just like Will was a first timer with Wesley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he understands that feeling. And also they have already figured out, you know, even just in one season that this is your found family. You know, these people become your family. And that's the way it's been on every Trek show, which makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, we were talking about Book and Stamets. Anyway, Book yeah. and Stamets, yeah. So I I love how passionately Stamets is saying all this stuff, and they're just like, we get it. We understand the problem. And then they all go into meditative state. Yeah, he's they like, just shut down. <laughs> he's like, what did he look? He really looks around like, did someone unplug you? What is happening? Here? This yeah. was weird to me and, because Stamets is married to Culver, who is a therapist now, and he should understand at least, like theoretically, what meditation is, and that the Navarans but do it's it. Still Stamets. That's true. Yeah, it's it's still Stamets, and he has no idea what the Vulcan, excuse me, what the Navaran process. <laughs> see, I knew I was going to mm-hmm. do that is for you know attacking a scientific or logical problem and so Tarina has to explain and then he's just like oh i'll just sit over here then and i thought he handled it pretty well i was like Mm -hmm. that's growth because if it was stamets from two seasons ago Mm. or you know he would just it would drive him crazy he'd be pacing around he was just like you know he has his little freak out what are you doing this like it's life and death and then He's just like, well, I can't do anything about it. And I was like, oh, that's big of you, Stamets. You're not running around getting yourself in a tizzy over it all. You're just kind of like letting it happen. That w- That's yeah. very, very big of Paul. It was very big. And I think that he understands that it, where this Science Institute is concerned, he is not the smartest person in the room. They're all the smartest person in the room. Mm, right. It's like having a council full of Stamets. But, you know, with Navarans... I don't know if most of them were of Vulcan origin or if there were some Romulans in there. It was difficult to tell because we didn't get really good looks at each of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm assuming from their lack of emotion that they were probably more of Vulcan descent. Well, and it's also been a thousand years and they've yeah. probably been a lot more intermingling, you know, yeah. so the, you know, they might not be as clearly distinct in some cases yeah. as yeah, they, they were before. Cases, that's absolutely a big possibility. So, and then there may be uh, Vulcans or former of Vulcan descent that are more like Romulans now. I don't know. I mm-hmm. just don't know. But anyway, so... Uh, I do love how they showed kind of the passage of time while these uh, the science council is meditating and then all of them <laughs> wake up at like the same time and start yeah. doing stuff and he's Ding. like hello Cooked. hello hello what's what's going on uh, okay are you okay you're awake again okay okay and We're so done. he's like <laughs> he's like waiting on tenterhooks trying to figure you know trying to hear their verdict and and when he does, he is so devastated. Yeah. And it's not even because of him. He is devastated for Book. He is devastated that he put him through this. 
And so that's He apologizes when, for it. Yeah, he apologizes for it. And then Tarina brings up, well, there is one possibility. Uh, Tachyon's cause. Uh, you know, she asks Book, do you remember the sky turning uh, sort of a luminescent blue? Because that's a sign of Tachyon's being present. And he's, he's just like, I don't know. I don't remember. And that's when she suggests the mind meld. And Stamos is like, oh, hell no. <laughs> don't do that to him and he's like no i want this and so they do it and that's when i get really emotional like there's so many emotions happening there i'm just like this is going to make me sob and it did very silently i'm still a very silent sobber unless i'm completely alone (laughs) yeah same and you had told me before we watched um have a tissue ready or something you're like be ready to cry or whatever and i was like thinking bad things from that i was like if they do it if anything happens to tilly if anything i'm gonna gray i'm gonna lose my shit and i then we it wasn't till like the last 10 minutes or so when i started tearing up and weeping a little because right before that i was like oh i'm not gonna cry in this episode this is what is she talking about nothing's going on that's making it didn't happen for me not this cold heart You should know by now that I cry for many different reasons. That yeah, when I yeah. say have a tissue nearby, it's because something is going to move you emotionally. Yeah. And it's not necessarily going to be something bad. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, that it was um it was a beautiful thing the way that they showed it from book's point of view of yeah. you know suddenly her hand is coming towards him and it's She's placing it on his face, and then it just kind of all fades, and he's seeing this memory in every bit of its detail. And uh, and that's when they find out, no, there were no tachyons present because the sky didn't change color. There was no evidence of it. And But the thing is, is that he found out what he needed to know. And we got to learn what it was that he needed to know. He yes. knew. Leto knew that he was loved by him, and he didn't abandon him. He didn't leave nothing he knew he was loved by him i thought that was really beautiful that that's what he needed and then i loved seeing the bioluminescent stuff on lita that was cool mm-hmm. his uh his ability had been activated so that was um that was very moving for me and yeah tarina was very understanding and very kind i think she is a really good leader well, but also I'm just a good obsessed person. with her. Yeah. I know, right? I just, I'm, I just want her and Saru to be married mm-hmm. and live happily ever after. <laughs> well, the the restraint, because we know that Vulcans now Navarans that they feel very deeply, and that's why they have to that. suppress their emotions. Oh, yeah. So experiencing the death of those people most close to you, let alone like the death of your planet as well. That's a lot to take on for somebody who has to suppress those feelings just to live, just to be functional. And so her response that, you know, she can only offer her condolences and that there's not words that she can say that can alleviate that kind of grief. But even so, you know, he was granted this gift of a memory because and they touch upon this later, is that it's the bad memories and it's the good memories. Yeah, it's sad to reflect on the people you lost, but at the same time, there's 
a way to honor them and keep them in your heart by remembering them. Yeah, and this is a Vulcan showing empathy. Mm -hmm. And her saying, it's a common misconception, Vulcan's emotions actually run very deep. When she said that, I was like, thank God that she she is saying that on the screen. This is another thing that Brandy and I talk about all the time. Yeah, all the time. Is, and this is why we love Spock. This is why we relate to the Vulcan so well is because their emotions are very strong and they run very deep and they learn to quote unquote suppress them so that they don't get out of control and they're not warring and crazy and whatever. But like, it's like, yes, Vulcans have deep emotions and so do brandy and i fyi mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm your robot yeah, big time big time Bleep. you're not a robot dear you just you have empathy it's just um, it's muted it's it's not on 11 no. all the time you're right it's, like ours is. it's more like on it's a three in your veins yeah like it's a like, three yeah it's about a three where we're at 11 mm -hmm. out of 10 all the time <laughs> balance that's balance yes that's but there's that's... i just love that she said it on screen because yes. i was like because in the vulcans have rich creativity and artistry too and it comes from all of that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it does i had somebody tell me oh gosh i think it was about i want to say four or five years ago uh they were they were trying to school me about how vulcans don't suppress their emotions and i'm like uh-huh mm -hmm. okay uh-huh Sure. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I'm going, just fuck off right out of here. I know Vulcans. And yeah. I know them better than you do. It's so. not, I don't think it's the, <laughs> the healthiest way, but they do it. Yeah. Well, it's that's what meditation <laughs> is, you know, for them. Yeah. Well, true, true, true. It's like you, yeah. you do feel the emotions. You just let them pass over you. You don't latch onto them. You don't feed them. It's like how we were talking about anger in a previous episode, that there's a way that you can fuel anger. By doing things while you're angry and and it just becomes a feedback loop and it's like no you stop you reflect you take moments you count you concentrate on your breathing and you let it pass it's the basis of zen meditation which grew out of the taoist breathing methods in china mm. just a way to reflect connect to nature just let things go go with the flow and just let that moment pass you still feel it, you just don't let it control you. Yeah. Right. So that's like the best uh, description of how Vulcans deal with their emotions, yeah. I think. I really, I really loved that part. And I really loved how uh, Book got a little bit of peace from that. And, you know, I, it, it, this is not, oh, well, I'm fine now. This is not that. This is not that. And I think we all know it. Um, there may be some viewers who don't understand that yet, but Book is not just going to be fine after this. No. There are a lot of things he is still going to have to work through. Yeah, grief is a process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a friend that... I, te I was texted a friend that texted me. I said, hey, how are you doing? We hadn't talked in a few days. And he said, yesterday was the worst day in my life. And I was like, oh... I knew that he, his dog was very ill oh, and no. I was like, oh, yesterday was the day that they find that he finally made, had to make the decision and everything. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not good. Sorry. I'm putting this on. I'm like, no, 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 you're please tell me. I, I can feel, first of all, I can feel what you're feeling mm -hmm. <laughs> like literally. And, and it's, you're supposed to feel that way. It's normal. Whatever, whatever it is, just, just do it. You know, go through, ride the wave, mm -hmm. whatever needs to happen. 
you know. I have another friend that recently lost his dog, and ugh, that was hard. Of course, when he told me about it, I started weeping, crying. Of course, <laughs> of course. Well, when I saw, because this this is um this is Bill from Trek Geeks, who is a marvelous oh. guy, and he had this dog named Abby, and she was just the cutest, sweetest dog, and he took pictures of her like every day, all the time. And when he's been working from home, you know, she's been in the room, usually napping behind him. And so he's always getting these great pictures. And they uh, they found a tumor on her liver. And so they did oh. surgery for that. And she just was not recovering from that. She became septic and oh, uh, just was in so much pain and just suffering. And so they had to make that decision, and I'm getting emotional just talking about it because I didn't know that dog. Yeah. I didn't know that dog. But see, this is why, this is what empathy is, is that I can understand how that feels, and I can feel how much it hurt him. Yeah. Because it was evident in every single post about her how much he loved that dog. And yeah. his wife loved that dog, too. You know, there will never be another dog like Abby in this world for them. And, and so I just, you know, I sent him a few messages to say, I just, I was so sorry. And I said, I know how much you loved her. I could tell every time you talked about her, every time you posted pictures of her. And this is just so hard. And I'm so sorry. You have to go through this. You have to be without her. And he was just, he's just like, you know what? That just really means a lot. You know, to know that someone can feel what you're feeling and understand how hard it is to go through what you're going through. It helps. It's it me. Someone is helping you. Someone is literally carrying some of it with you, you know, yeah. and that's, it's so important. It's so needed. I'm also really touched that while we're having this conversation, Dave started petting and giving love to Nobi the kitty. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, he's he loves to cuddle with Dave. Yeah. Basically, if Dave's on the couch and it's winter time, or even if it's not winter time, nobody's usually right beside him for hours Aww. on end. Just he's so cute. He's a cute boy. So so yeah, um, just just knowing that there's someone out there, and in this case for book it was Tarina, knowing that she now knows she saw what he saw, she felt what he felt. And yeah, yeah. She fundamentally understands what he's going through. And Stamets is trying to be careful with him and like, you know, which is his way, yeah. you know, his way of trying to help him. And it just wasn't as needed. He was like, I need to, I need to experience this. I need to go through it. You know, yeah. it was really beautiful to see Book kind of cared for yeah. yes. in that way. He's cared for by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, he's Michael's partner, and he's not a member of Starfleet. He's basically a guest aboard Discovery, but everybody treats him as an equal. Yeah. So the um the scene with him and Michael at the end also was yeah I found that really really nice to see the captain with her partner in the bed. She's the woman. She is the one that is helping the man while he's feeling weak. And she's just, I, I was watching her and I was just like, she's so got this. Mm -hmm. Like, she, it was just, I love the roles there and how, how, and they, 
you know, they do it for each other, obviously, but I really loved seeing her kind of just there as the leader, helping her hurt man go through his stuff, you know? Well, um, Michael... And being prof- a rock. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, Michael very profoundly understands loss. She has lost so much in her life. Not just people, but her very existence in her time. And she gave up literally everything to ensure that, you know, his that the Trek universe had a future and that control didn't, you know, destroy all sentient life <laughs> except for itself. So, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big ask. And the thing is, is that she... She wasn't asked to do it. She volunteered to do it. She knew she had to do it. And just that, that's what, that's another big fundamental change that happened to her. Mm. The first one was losing her parents and then finding out her mother was alive. So that was a big change there. And then finding out that she's been the one who's sending all these signals and knows that she has to actually finish what she started by starting it and then finishing and then it. And finishing it again. Yeah. <laughs> Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff, uh-huh. you guys. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you know, that's why it, that first scene with her crash landing on that planet in season three and her um, desperation to find out if there was life. She, and when she did just that. That celebratory celebration and also devastation, yeah, 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 just all of these things. The weights that she has carried, and yet she has learned from them. She takes them on. She carries them, and she uses them. And that is why she is such a good leader. Yeah, because you know when it was the whole when they were talking about oh you you have a they they she they I mean obviously a lot of people who watch the series comment on her quote complex or whatever complex is about the need to whatever. Mm. But like, it's not the same. Like I can see how it's not like she has this obsessive need. There were times where she needed to make the outcome her way. But now I feel like she's using the experience of those situations to make much more um, calculated, precise decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, even no matter what Rillick says, I think that she is. I'm like, first of all, you don't know Michael like we know Michael. You don't oh, know where yes. she came from or how she used to be and how she is now. I can just really sense. I can I can see the growth. Yeah, massive amounts of growth, mm-hmm. and the fact that she was wary of being captain when Vance says, "No, we want you to captain Discovery." And she was just like, no, no, yeah. no, I'd rather wait till uh, Saru comes back. And he's like, we don't have time for he's that. He's like, you're going to do it or not right now? Decide. <laughs> yeah. Give me an answer. Yeah. Go. We don't have time for that. <laughs> and so she takes this on. And I think the best leaders are the ones that don't want to be leaders because they are innately aware of their own shortcomings and their strengths. And it's like a calling it's mm-hmm. not like there's I don't think that there's I don't sense any ego involved for her. Oh, I no, feel no. like it's yeah. a calling and she just the phone rang and she had no choice to pick it up 
And that's where she is. And when I see her in these moments where she's talking to Stamets or when she's with Book in the bedroom, the captain's quarters, I, I, keep, I keep having these little flashbacks to her on the prisoner ship from season from episode one or episode two of season one in the yellow jumpsuit and all that. I, I yeah. see them next to each other. And it's just like, wow, wow, mm-hmm. how what a what an arc. Yeah. And I love it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I love her more and more. Me with too. Each, each episode and each season. Yeah. And there are times when I'm like, I in the past, I've been annoyed with her. And I'm like, you know, what the hell are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. But I still, I love her more and more. She makes me fall in love with her a little bit more every time. Oh, she's been reborn like so many times. You know, she's had these additional chances like being freed of the shuttle you know to the prison colony or wherever she was going that she was a smuggler for a little while where she had to wait mm-hmm. that year or so for the discovery to show up so she had to reinvent herself over and over again and it's like how if you break a bone it heals stronger and if you break that bone again it heals stronger again so each time when she's kind of broken down she has to rebuild stronger than before and she just gets stronger and stronger yeah and she's wise beyond her years because she has these experiences that nobody else has you know being the red angel and and dealing with control and the whole growing up on vulcan yeah yeah, what happened to her family growing up on vulcan her thing with spock which was a lesson that she learned is that you don't push people away to protect them so yeah. yeah, she's learned these lessons again and again and again, and she's grown from it. And this wisdom, it's one of the more poignant lines, I think, from this is when they're talking about being peaceful, because he looks peaceful, you know, book looks peaceful. And he says, yeah, for now. He says, yeah, that sometimes mm-hmm. only a moment is all we have. So is, you know, <sighs> it can get worse again. So you just have to kind of sit in that oasis of peace for a little while, because it's not going to last forever. Yeah. I'm glad that you reminded us of that line because that that really left a an Im- impact on that impacted me. Yeah. yeah. Well, if he hadn't said it, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, can I tell you guys a secret? Well, it won't be a secret when I tell you. Um, there was a part of me that was watching that whole scene and going, "Get your shoes off the bed." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I try not to do Were that. Were Michael's but... shoes on the bed too, or just both? Oh yeah. Both, both of them were? had their both of them had their shoes on. Oh no! <laughs> I do not like no, that. No, <laughs> we do not do that. <laughs> oh, they've got dots to clean it up. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Zora'll get it. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that that her uh, boots are cleaner than you know the inside of my um, eyelids. I don't know what I was going to say Anti-mi- there, but microbial <laughs> multi polymer something. Yeah, when you transport, does it take the dirt off your boots? Um, I would guess no. Hmm. I think that there are filters for some things. Yeah. Some but, things, yeah. But generally, Cause that, we've seen a lot of stuff transported with, you know. Well, that's a nice way to cut down on quarantine. Like, you wouldn't have to rub gel on each other like in Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking in, in, in sexy underwear? Yeah. Sexy blue underwear? Just transport God. and Ooh. whatever pathogens or toxins are on the planet are just filtered out. Well... Yeah, that is what the transporter filter does. Yeah. It does filter those things out, but like My inert goodness. dirt, yeah. 
Probably not. Soil. It's not going to fix your uniform if you've torn it, Kirk. Mm. It's just <laughs> that'd be an interesting adaptation to the transporter. <laughs> uniform oh, repair. When you transport back, yeah, it it repairs all of your broken bones. And <laughs> well, let's combine the transporter with programmable matter. There what you if, go. There are, there are and the replicator, there. all three in one. <laughs> and the replicator. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. We could have. Another Tuvix, and then oh, also have Tuvok and Neelix. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, everybody wins. Yeah. Everybody wins. Somebody go back in time and fix that so that Janeway doesn't feel so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, anyway, so yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's a wrap on book in Stamets. Yeah. yeah, I think we um, followed through on that story. I did want to bring up something about like the nature of science and emotions is that Stamets would be aware of this. I don't know if the Navarans would be, but that meditation and the scientific theory can be kind of hand in hand in some respects is there was this uh, biochemist that was really trying to crack down this atomic structure. And I think it was for carbon because couldn't quite figure it out. And then one night had this dream of these, like gnomes with these little pointy red hats dancing around in a ring. And there's like six of them. And he's like, oh. And I think it was the structure of carbon. So it was like how the the hexagon that we now know as the carbonic bond, that that came to him in a dream. So. <laughs> wow. Like the omega particle. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of the way the story goes anyhow. Well, your dreams can sometimes present you with things that your conscious mind can't mm -hmm. figure out. So it's the like, unconscious yeah. mind is a powerful thing. It's like your sleeping brain is doing the homework you prepared for it to do during your working day, you know. You go to bed and your <laughs> brain's still going, okay, there's these things that we're trying to figure out today that we didn't. So I'm going to keep working on that. <laughs> and so if it's something stressful, you're going to have stress dreams all night long. You know? Yeah. If it's something I'm emotional... Sorry, I'm I'm now just thinking of that Dexter's Laboratory episode where he doesn't want to study French, and so he puts on a tape about learning French and puts it under his pillow, but the tape gets stuck and just re keeps repeating omelette de fromage, and so that's all the French he can say when he wakes up. Oh my god. <laughs> but he becomes so like funny. super famous from it, too. It's like, omelette de fromage? Omelette de fromage. Omelette de fromage. He says that to everybody. He's like, oh! They just melt. <laughs> it's so funny. Okay. Uh, Laboratory. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. I've. Oh wow. I haven't done my DD in a really long time, and I'm not going to do it now because it's very loud. Yeah. Anyway, if you don't know what Dexter's Laboratory is, go look it up on Wikipedia, yeah. guys. Oh, the it's Cartoon so... Network show from what yeah. the 2000s, 90s, somewhere on there. 90s? Yeah, late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. thereabouts. Yeah. God, I'm old. Okay, Tartofsky, so we're going on to the Jindy Tartakovsky. Yeah, yeah. Tartakovsky, that's the name. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to move on to probably the longest of the plots. So plot A1, because mm, plot A2 plot A two is where it's going to get emotional again. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so plot A1, it's actually got a plot B1. Uh, with Tilly in her search for new experiences, and yes. mac and cheese was not a good one. <laughs> yeah, I like how Saru was like, 
Mm, a human does does not like cheese. That's unusual. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and I was like, really? Till really? Really, Tilly? Well, I think it was probably a bad recipe because there uh, is such a mm. thing as bad mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. I've had it. Yeah. Somebody Oof. puts like white cheddar on it and you're like, no, get that out oh, of my face. I'm okay with that. Ooh, I'm okay with no. all sorts of cheeses. De fromage yeah. in your well, yeah, mac, it, mac and fromage. <laughs> when you're <laughs> expecting a certain taste and then somebody uses a different cheese and you're like, yeah. what the fuck is this? Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. So Tilly is searching for new experiences. Uh, Saru agrees to let her uh, mist his plants, but don't touch this one because uh, it's in bloom. And she says, well, what happens? And he's he looks like he's about to explain. And then he says, it's better if you don't know. I want to know what that plant does. Oh, man, there's probably and spores that when make he, you when, high When he something. shows her. Yeah. yeah, and she she pretends like she's going to touch it. <laughs> yeah. Tilly's yeah. Tilly's having a lot of fun in this episode. She is having a lot of fun, and for someone her who's trying to find herself a little more, like yeah, she's 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 really funny in this episode. Well, she's still Tilly yeah. above all else, even if she's feeling off and feeling like she doesn't know where she belongs anymore. But uh, her hair was better in this. Okay, episode. yeah, I was gonna that that was like this is the most important thing to talk about. It yes, was better. I I I I kind of liked it. Yeah, it wasn't as um, fake curly, but it still like, had like this one line in the back. You know, yeah, I was like, oh, there's a little more. It's on both sides, and, mm-hmm. and but it was still looked kind of wet in certain scenes. Where mm-hmm. just like, <laughs> but you know, maybe that's all part of her trying to figure things out and try new things. Yeah, it, we, it could be. Although it has she did her different own hair, hairstyles. Really. That's a possibility. Yeah. It's a nice head cannon way of approaching it. You know, like when you try out a mustache or something and it's like, oh, no, yep. that didn't work. Or when you try out, I don't know, you get a perm and or you do something else and you're just trying stuff out. Different to Try new things, you know. Yeah. But try the, a new look. The thing is, though, is this is the same basic updo. I mean, it's not really a basic updo because all of her hair is pulled back and then it's like some of it's wrapped around each other and then the rest is cascading out of that. So it's kind of like a half bun, half, you know down but not really half bun half ponytail almost so but it never looks the same from scene to scene no it doesn't i was watching uh on my flight back to new york uh on a couple days before this episode came out i was watching people of earth um no 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 uh what's the second episode of season three uh home something home far from home far from home the one where Tilly and Saru are walking on the yeah. icy planet toward the cowboy cowboys yeah. fight and all that. <laughs> and I was reminded of, oh, I, I thought it was really cool that this kind of harkens back to that scene and to their relationship. Yeah. Well, she trusts Saru and he trusts her. And he's just he's now the ultimate papa bear on the ship. It's just Saru... <laughs> Is um he has he's really come into his own as a leader as well, and even yeah. though he is not the captain and doesn't feel like he needs to be at this time, uh, he's still there for everybody for whatever they need. Yeah, like I just but the relationship is deeper. Advice yeah. to everybody, it's like that's what he's there to do is just advise this person this, advise that person that. Even sitting down with Colbert and advising him, just going around the no, whole No, we're not ship, talking about that ad- yet. Giving advice. Yeah, we're not talking about that yet. 
We'll get to that <laughs> because I have some things that I want to say besides about that scene in general. But um, yeah, so uh, after talking with Tilly, um, this whole thing with the murder of a Starfleet officer comes up, which is actually the cold open. That's right. what we see in the beginning. What a beautiful ship, by the way. Oh, oh my, God, my God, yes. Love, yes. love, love. Yeah, so I- many people are just like, oh, this is a great ship. <laughs> now that it's been on screen, you know that Eagle Moss is going to make a model of it. So, Oh, yeah. They might have leaked it to them early and said, hey, we might want to get started early on this one. <laughs> and just the establishing shot of the ship with that score, that's what I was talking about, the kind of really early, the original series kind of score-like elements to it just felt like just a, a nice throwback to just the ship yeah. doing the standard Starfleet thing, you know, Strange New Worlds kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, um, so we... we can tell that they're co-op me lot. I mean, we yeah. all knew that right away, didn't we mm-hmm. not? And well, the title, yeah, yeah. yeah. But here's my feeling on this. Okay, mm-hmm. um, she didn't have to kill him. No, no, she sucks at her she job. She could have knocked him out. <laughs> could have stunned him. <laughs> She's a bad could've... warrior nun. Yeah, could have, you know, I don't know, injured his Achilles tendon. Mm. I don't know. They could have planned this heist when there weren't people there. Yeah. There's got to be a time where there's smaller implement of guards where they could pop in, grab the dilithium, and leave. Yeah, but that's the thing. They couldn't with the shields up, and mm. they're going to have the shields up all the time. Right. They dropped the shields so that they could transport the dilithium, and that was when the sisters struck. <laughs> and this, Yeah, why can't they just do it... Like, Spray something in their face that knocks them out. Well, it's it's this weird thing about tradition, and it shows how bad tradition can be, is mm-hmm. it's that they arm True. themselves with swords. They fight with swords. They've been fighting with swords for, what, 900 years now or something? Yes, but what is something that a sword has? Oh, right, a pommel. Yeah. You can knock somebody yeah. out with that. But if you had a phaser, you could set the phaser to stun, stun the person, and then you don't have to worry about it. But they're not mm-hmm. going to use phasers because of tradition, so they use swords instead, and they stab a guy to death. I knew he was going to die yeah. as soon as she said, please, friend, choose to live, or whatever she said. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she's going to kill him. Yeah, and I was just, um, I'm with Michael in that regard. Yeah. I feel yes. like there needs to be justice they're, for this because mm-hmm. it was an un- yes. unnecessary death. Yeah, they, they don't know the, the neck pinch? Yeah. Apparently not. Well, they're they're Romulan based. Yeah, the Co-op Milot was Romulan order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're leaving a little trail of breadcrumbs that Michael is slowly picking up on with with the stuff with Rillick and you know from episode one to and now this thing. This is another thing that Michael's like going. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it's gonna it's gonna boil over in some way. Eventually, there's gonna be one that's like way too far for Michael. I'm yeah. I'm sure of it. That's I'm sure they're setting up because she's handling herself with a lot of grace and dignity right now. Mm-hmm. But when it com- at a certain point, Michael's not gonna take any more of that shit, mm-hmm. and she's gonna do what she does, which is stand up and say, "Excuse me, um, we have a problem here." In her way, you know. Yeah. Well, that is going to have to wait until after Navarre rejoins the Federation. Mm. So, because, yeah, we, I understand. But she can chew out Vance and Rillick for it. Uh, yeah, well, Vance didn't have a whole lot to do no. with that. 
That's true. Because he, the, because Rillick is the conductor, right? Yeah. Am I saying her name right? Rillick, yes. Oh, yeah. She doesn't care if the cellist thing. is drunk yeah. or if the, the trombonists are in a fight or whatever. Yeah. And I loved that story. <laughs> yes. I loved that. But I do not agree. Mm. Like I like, I was like, oh, I really understand this. I'm, I sat, I like got comfortable and listened to it, and I was like, oh, he's telling this really well. This is awesome. But I do not agree. Well, because of really, there's that leap of faith that we trust that she knows the symphony. What if she mm-hmm. doesn't? Right. Mm-hmm. What if she doesn't know it? Mm-hmm. What if she slipped another piece of music on the music yeah. stands? Yeah, and you're playing and making Wagner. everybody sight read it, mm-hmm. and they don't know it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Agree. See, I got my own. Yep. Yeah. Illusions or whatever. Agree. And illusions. So, yeah, so they're all talking about that and they explain what happened. Um and then uh they say, Okay, well this would be a good time to bring in the co op me lot and of course Mama Burnham's there. Mm-hmm. It's always good to see Mama Burnham. Mm-hmm. And uh we find out that this particular uh sister that killed the Starfleet officer was the one who found and nursed back to health our good Mama Burnham. Uh Co-op Milot does not operate very well, does it? Because there's a conflict of interest here right off the bat. Is that you're gonna send the one that life was saved by the other it's like no there's got to be some kind of disconnect there but I, well see that's the thing the know. reason why uh why gabrielle wanted to go was because she knew what was her name Virginie? was that it that is so not it dear god what is wrong with me i think it's close it's like with a j yeah oh my god it's close well, to it's that which is funny Johnny. it's better than bajazel i can tell you that oh bajazel yeah bajazel vagina put a glove on a beer bottle Watch it go by. What's the song? What am I thinking of? Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley. Shirley. (laughs) Yep. Oh my God, we are all of a certain age, aren't we? Gonna kill you after all. (laughs) Okay. Let me. While Brandy's looking that up, I think that the Coat Malat have a history of acting impulsively and taking life and shedding blood when they don't have to. Because if you think of Elnor, who I almost called Elon just now. (laughs) Oh please, God, not Elon. The old. Romulan senator in front of Picard, and Picard said, that man did not deserve to die, yeah. you know? And I'm like, well, here we go again. Even though Elnor's not technically Coat Milot, he was raised in the mm-hmm. way, so he was like a boy Coat Milot, yep. more or less, operating under their Yes, rules. but still an impulsive man. And that whole thing mm-hmm. about absolute candor, but then the way you tell the truth, you can speak around the truth, so the things you say aren't necessarily lies but then what's really the difference an omission yeah is is a lie <laughs> that's a vo- well, we that's saw that in the thing. vulcans and enterprise yeah, yeah. that was well we big... saw that we saw that with spock yeah mm-hmm. uh, i mean it's not limited to the vulcans of the past it was spock was lying all the time up in there oh yeah you can logic your way around anything yeah. oh yeah you, know. you absolutely can javini Javini. Okay, you were That's close. her name, Javini. Vagini, Javini, Javini. I just okay. was dyslexic. Sounds v- like one of the Javini. classic painters. This is because I almost called Elnor Elon. <laughs> or Elron. It's like one so, of the Ninja Turtles. Javini. So Donatello, so, yeah. Michelangelo, Javini. Yeah. And so Gabrielle knows Javini on a way th- in a way that none of the rest of the sisters do or anyone else. 
So she believes that she's acting uh, in be- on behalf of a lost cause, right. which is what I thought too. Yeah. Because that's just yep. why else resort to do. such extremism. Yeah. So uh, then uh, I think it's Relic who decides that it's going to be a joint mission. And she knows exactly what she's doing, pitting one against the other. <sighs> now, I really liked her in this scene, though. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, I loved her in it. this scene. I, I really liked her in the scene. But I, I kind of like her anyway. There's just something. Yeah. But, you know. There's She is complex. And I There's something else going on. Yeah, There's oh, something else going on that she's aware of. That yeah. she's doing or mm-hmm. working about, working around well, or working with or working for. That's the thing about politics is she has mm-hmm. to be a different person to everyone that she's dealing with. You got to promise your high-end donors that their taxes aren't going to be raised and you got to promise your, you know, us common folk that our taxes aren't going to be, you know, you got to make everybody think that you're that they're the ones that are the important ones. Mm-hmm. And then screw over the middle class. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> um, but uh, we don't have that anymore. So in this future... So uh, this is when, uh, you know, they want Michael to go. And so Michael's just kind of wary of this whole thing. And rightly so. Saru suggests that he take, that she take Tilly as the other officer. And she's saying, well, combat isn't really her strong point. (laughs) And that's fair. Not everybody can be good at combat. That doesn't mean you're useless to Starfleet despite what some trolls may say about Tilly and her body shape. Fuck off. Don't care. Fuck off. And uh, <laughs> so, and, and Saru says, yeah, she she has a way of making people feel comfortable and at ease, which she does. And, <laughs> okay, the the scene that I love so very much is when Tilly is walking with this other sister that is with Gabrielle. And is saying all these things, you know, she's doing her Tilly thing, running off at the mouth. And then she says, oh, I'm so sorry. This is probably really annoying. And the sister says, I can't remember the exact quote, but she says, "Uh, if you think that I am dismayed by your enthusiasm, you are mistaken. I loved it. I'm just like, oh, my God, validation. (laughs) From from a freaking Romulan nun. Mm hmm. Well, we Navarin, don't know. Whatever. We don't know that she was Romulan. She might have right. been Vulcan, or well, either way, Navarin. Like, They're all yeah. Navarin now, but yeah, yeah. That just made me so happy because the first time I didn't quite catch what she said, but with subtitles helping me, thank you subtitles, I was able to see exactly what she said. She, oh, she was giving Tilly a compliment and validating her, and that was amazing. And so when she got killed, I was really upset. Yes. I I was I was really upset about that. Yeah. So I liked her. I wanted more of her. Agreed. So yeah, long story short, uh there's this moon, but it's really a space station. Ha <laughs> no kidding. That was uh, I'm getting Star Wars and the Star Trek again. No, it's really a oh yeah. yeah. Is there anyone who didn't think about Alien when we see well, all of those pods? even a little bit um. of the alien score sounding like when they see the pods? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they know, and they're just hanging a lantern going, yeah, we know this is kind of uh, aliens-like or alien-like. So just a little mm-hmm. hint of that, that tinkle-tinkle score is there just to go, yeah, we know. 
Jeff Russo, you sneak. Yeah. <laughs> Just so tickles great. me. So, yeah, this is a previously unknown race. They've been there far too long. Um, they have lots of latinum. Yeah, that's in their in their pods, and so people are trying to grave rob. And uh, the the interesting thing is is that their distress signal was telepathic. That's fascinating. That's cool. A telepathic distress signal. I had a moment of thinking of species eight four seven two when we were, when they just showed. a little bit with the legs. Yeah, and because they're CGI aliens, you know. Yeah. They looked better than Species 8472, though. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> There's been many years between the two of them. Yes, yes. About 25 years yeah. of special effects engineering. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, yeah, I know, right? It doesn't seem like it should have been that long. So, yeah, they found out, uh, well, they haven't figured out that these things aren't what these, what, what these people are there for. And, uh, you know, she has Tilly disable the dilithium because they find out it's a ship. Then, of course, she has to stick around as bait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was actually kind of scared in that moment. Well, like, I, I felt nervous. Yeah, when she steps really close like, to cracking the edge. jokes and stuff. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing, Tilly? Don't go by the edge when you're being bait. You get pushed off. Yeah, well, <sighs> she's trying to get out of her comfort zone. Yeah. Let's remember that. So, yeah. yeah, and Javini finds her, and she's like, I choose to live, 100% choose to live. <laughs> and uh, so then Michael and, and Mama Burnham show up, and there's a fight, and swords and whatnot. Um, whatnot. Whatnot. And uh, Javini bests Gabrielle. Mm -hmm. I'm beginning to think that Gabrielle did that purposely. I don't know. Because I think she needed mm -hmm. Javini to feel like she was the one in control. To understand what was going on. And that's when they determined that Javini felt the distress signal. And so she followed it. And that's when she found these grave robbers basically slaughtering these people mm. for the latinum. And she, uh, <sighs> she killed a lot of them. <laughs> Pretty much all of them. So... Which is uh, which is sad because the creature, the poor creature that's dying while she's doing this, you know, unfortunately doesn't make it. And so she covers him or her with a cloak and I'm just like, or him, her, it, they, them, whatever this species does is fine. She covers the creature. She covers, <laughs> she covers the life form with her cloak as a sign of respect. With a cloak. With a cloak. And, uh. Yeah, so Tilly's trying to reactivate the drive so because otherwise Javini's going to start killing them. And this is when Michael figures out that these are stasis pods and they should have triggered a long time ago when they got to this planet that they're orbiting. But they never did. And so she finds the fault in the system and she says, I can reactivate this, I can wake them all up. And Tilly gets the dilithium going again and... Basically, Gabby talks her out of, she's like, this path is at an end, you know? And Javini's like, okay, I did what I set out to do. These people are saved. And we don't actually see them waking up and coming out, but when we see them all back on Book's ship, and they're doing basically last rites over the the cool uh, nun that was killed, that liked Tilly, um, 
then that's when they see all of these ships starting to go down to the planet, that's which made beautiful. me emotional. It made me very yeah. Yeah, I wondered about that. that. Really beautiful. I wondered if there was going to be like a first contact after that and how they would arrange it or if they'd even bother. I don't, I don't know. They, I'm sure that, I mean, it's all going to be in Michael's report. So, but they, you know, they left that ship functional so that if the anomaly comes nearby, they are able to move it. And that was the whole reason behind having the dilithium in the first place, which of course they had asked for, but Starfleet wasn't going to give it to an individual. And if they did, they were going to have to know how it was going to be used, all these things, and it would end up with, you know, a lot of red tape and these people might never have gotten out of their stasis yeah, pods. There still seems to be this general mistrust of Starfleet and what they'll do well, with that information. Well, that's the thing, because Starfleet did not have the best reputation yeah. when Michael showed up in this century, mm -hmm. and for good reason, like what they did to Navarre. Right. So the fact that Navarre wants to rejoin is a pretty fucking big step. Yeah. Yeah. So I have no complaints about that. But uh, yeah, um, I did enjoy Tilly trying to fight on the ship because there were nuns that that bamped in when they were arriving at the other ship that they didn't know was a ship yet. And Tilly did go down, but she did help and got Gabrielle a sword when she got disarmed. And, uh, you know, she she wasn't able to be a badass like Michael and Gabrielle, but she still did her part. And she has the bumps and bruises to show for it. And I like the rollerball armor too. <laughs> got neat little oh reflective plasticky looking black one. Armor. Yeah. Yeah, but that's this we've seen we've been seeing that since yeah. episode well, one. Yeah, well um that's one of the things that Gersha Phillips talked about when she uh when they first designed it and she when she first designed that she said oh i actually had a misunderstanding a little bit because when they told me that i thought they you know she she was of the mindset that it was kind of the courier outfit courier michael mm. so she designed it kind of like that and so then they had to alter it a little bit and then they ended up liking the style so they designed more like it that was kind of like a new new kind of starfleety mm -hmm. type of situation yeah it's about time they cuz she's wearing that on when they meet the butterfly people yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah it's like a way mission uniform that actually has some armor, some protection, instead of just going down in your jammies. It's a little bit Section 31-y, but I think it's cool <laughs> yeah. and sleek and sexy. Well, especially so, happy if you accident. think there's yeah. going to be combat, then yeah. Yeah. Go with a little bit of armor on. So, yeah, um, Javini gets taken back to Starfleet, and without preparing anybody Relic says okay we're remanding Javini to the custody of uh, Navarre and <laughs> basically and there you go Michael is so pissed and she's just like what about justice and Relic's like you did your job uh your part's over now and yeah and uh, she says well I don't I don't think that she should be able to just you know, go free, that she should get off for this. And uh, Relic basically tells her, yeah, but I also know that millions of lives will be improved by Navarre rejoining the Federation. Well, even Qualified immunity. A bit yeah. of 
mercy it's from Michael bit of that. by saying there's you know some extenuating circumstances to this and that this should reflect like a softer punishment. And then the president says, well, that's not even necessary because it's out of our hands. Well, she already made the decision. Yeah. Because she's trying to score points with Tarina. Yeah. And she did. Yeah. So, and that's when we get the conversation with Vance and uh, <laughs> and the orchestra. Which, it's nice to know that uh, those instruments all still exist in the future. So, well Yeah. Done. Well, well it's one of those Star Trekky things, which Discovery and the movies are a bit different on, is that the really old historical stuff of Earth is still popular, like symphonies and that sort of thing. But, you know, stuff around the 20th century, kind of popular with a certain quirky group of people. And then anything after that is like, who knows? But yeah, yeah that, that symphonies would still be a thing. I mean, if you look at Riker playing the trombone, but that was more of a kind of jazz thing. But even it's not a kind of jazz thing. It's, it's an absolutely jazz thing. Jazz thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the data plays classical music and, yeah. you know. Well, see, that's the thing. Back in the time when classical music was being composed, there was no way to record it. Mm-hmm. Now there is. And right. so all of those things still exist. They exist. We don't know what type of music is contemporary symphonic orchestral music. We don't know what that sounds yeah, like. Yeah, that's interesting. But, but hmm. the uh, it still exists. You might hear you it know. like on that <clears throat> Orion uh, weird planet, that thieves place that was in... Was that the first season when they went to? Mm-hmm. Honey, that was on Kronos. It was Kronos. Kronos? It was yeah, a, that was. It was an out, like outpost. A, Orion outpost. Yeah. Post, on yeah. Kronos. Yeah, I think we might have heard Excuse some me, on Kronos. contemporary music. Kronos. 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 Yeah. Kronos. No, that's... Anyway. However um, Ash says it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that for years we were saying Kronos, and then when you see the spelling of it, it was never Kronos. It was always Kronos. No. Kronos. Yeah. Kronos. And then there's the uh, Klingon teeth to speak through. So yeah. always very Sean Connery. And a shit on a sheet. <laughs> or Jodie Foster, take oh, your pick. Yeah. Um, Dr. Lecter, Dr. Lecter. So, so or yeah. Or Williams singing, Shave the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> Klingons, every one of them. <laughs> they had that same operation. Uh, that did. Klingons. <sighs> yeah. Whew. Okay. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's basically finishing off that particular plot. Um, Tilly does finally get to mist the plants, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. And and there was uh, that great discussion with uh, Michael's mother and Tilly regarding what oh, choose right. to live means. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, and that there's there's like a metaphorical kind of philosophical way, and then there's the actual hey, there's path you're walking ends in death unless you choose a different path. It's basically karma's caught up with you. What are you gonna do? Yep. So I shall we go there? Yeah. <laughs> shall we go where? To the to the to the thing that made me ball my little eyes out. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So a two plot. We've been teased about this in episode two about Gray incorporating and the bodies finally being 3D printed. Yep. <laughs> Gray LLC. Basically. 
being <laughs> 3D printed. Sans mall. Yeah. Sans sans mall. And uh they're they we we get to see Guardian Z again. Yes. Guys. Daddy Trill. Yeah. I can't remember. Was he the jerky one from that no, no, episode no. or was no. he the... he was the good one? Okay, he was the good one. He was the one that after they were shunned and turned away, he sneaked them into right. the you know, the baptismal font. Right. <laughs> Sorry. I'm still gonna yeah. always liken that to a Mormon yeah, it was baptism. like a Mormon baptism, <laughs> like wearing yeah. white and being fully dunked <laughs> and everything. Yeah, yeah. very Mormon. And you know, uh, they're all warned that this might not work. They've never tried this before, and there is a possibility that Gray could be lost forever. And we all know that Gray's gonna go for it because this is not an existence. Mm-hmm. You know, just. Just being in between worlds. Yeah, and only being able to interact with one person. Mm -hmm. And even then, not like fully interact. So not being able to fail anything. I think that the um the Hugh situation with her him taking Adira and making them walk away and Mm -hmm. and go away and leave it alone was really awesome. Yeah. Yes. Like I something about that really resonated with me it was like you can't do anything so like you can't sit there you need to go away (laughs) and forget about it and let what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. happen Uh, writers talk about this because you can't control anything yeah is when they come across like writer's block or something it's like leave yes your computer go walk and then you know inspiration will find you again and they get to go to the bar the the Discovery's version of Ten Forward, which is just wonderful. I want to the live there. Best bar. I the best bar. The best bar I have ever fucking seen. It's so on a friendly. Ship. It's got those fireplaces. It's got that cool electronic dartboard. The comfy chairs. The comfy chairs. I love this oh place. Oh my god, the comfy chairs. The hardwood tables. Discovery is looking real good uh-huh. on so the good. interior. Like, so, so pretty. Well, I wonder yeah. how much of this is like Michael choosing these things now that she's captain it's like okay we're gonna redesign because her quarters are awesome her ready room's awesome you know all these these places yeah if you think about it there hasn't been really a permanent yeah permanent person in charge of the ship until now until now yeah it just feels like a great space it's like it's like a rec center or something for but more comfortable than that it's weird yeah, yeah. It's, it feels a little more homey. Yeah, it does feel homey. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah, just a good place for people to chill. Yeah. Just to chill, and like a pub. Uh, yeah, it is very much like a pub. So I enjoyed that. Um, Adira playing darts. Mm-hmm. Glad to know there's still darts in the 32nd century. <laughs> They're th- um, throwing the darts so hard to believe how much was going on in this episode. I it know. feels like. It was like three or four episodes mm-hmm. of material. Yeah, they packed so much in. Yeah, these are very dense episodes. Yes. And, and I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Hugh does have a nice conversation with Saru, which I said we would talk about when we got to this point. Mm-hmm. And Saru is noticing that Hugh or Huber, as I'm probably going to accidentally call him again at some point, <laughs> uh, is doing a really good job of managing all these things um and i can't remember exactly what he says that uh sometimes it's it's it was an old 
Kelpian's saying of, I think it was like, you can't ride two bale be veiled beasts with one set of buttocks or whatever the animal was. And I just, I just thought that was so great. But he's, he's looking at Culber and he's saying, you know, he's, he's almost saying without saying, hey, you need to take care of you too. Yeah. That you're already working two jobs. You're, you know, this medical doctor, plus you're the counselor, plus you're three jobs. Yeah, because daddy, parent. Yeah, yeah. The um, I really like. I'm, I'm have always wanted more and more Huber, mm -hmm. and so I, um, there was a post that he made that he, I think it was on his Instagram, and he was like, it's something about not watching the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, and in the comments he replied to somebody and said. Um, just wait till the season's over. You're going to be tired of me. So I'm imagining that he's saying there's a lot of Dr. Culver yeah. in this season, which makes me very, very happy. There's no way I could ever be tired of Wilson Cruz or no Culver. Way. No way. No way. I think no way. he's becoming my favorite character on Discovery. He, I mean, he's, yeah, I'm, he's up there. Yeah, for sure. It's when he started being a ship's counselor that he really, he blossomed. He, he had a glow up <laughs> mm -hmm. that he's just fantastic yeah he's yeah he's kind of he's kind of the heart of the crew yeah. right now in my he mind mm -hmm. he very much is and he went through his own loss to get there yeah so yeah it's uh yeah he died yeah he, he, he fucking died and but his spirit didn't move to the great beyond it got no. sucked into the mycelial network and yeah. please uh, watch season two if you don't understand what we're saying why would you be listening to this if you haven't I know. watched season two well, it's, it's, but you know there are people that have only watched the last couple of seasons yeah. and don't know where it comes from also very mythological yeah. you know to have him cross to the other world and come back with with knowledge that he shares yeah. So I loved all of that, and Adira feels like something should have happened by now. What if Gray's lost? What if mm -hmm. he can't find his way to this body? And so they go back to this room, which I'm guessing is some sort of medical bay, a small medical bay, private room maybe, I don't know. And Operating room. No, yeah, something like that. And they they talk to the Gray synth body, and the golem say yeah. the, the golem and say well, it's hey, no longer really i guess no not not yet uh not really it's being filled in in yeah. a way somehow hopefully well i have thoughts on that too it depends on what ideology is ascribed to as to whether he's a golem or not so um anyway long story short uh they take his hand and they've been there so long they fall asleep yeah and then we see one of the monitors light up with brain activity and here oh. it comes, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And that was the, that was the segue from the other scene. Like, mm -hmm. so we were in the other story and then all of a sudden we get that shot and I'm like, oh my God, that's mm -hmm. right. We're waiting for this too. Holy yep. shit. Yeah. 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 And Gray wakes up. What a great moment just... too. Like the eyes flickering, the intake of breath, the looking at the, the hands. Fingernail, the fingers. Yeah. I like yeah. how close they were showing the hands. Mm-hmm. Yep, touching the face, mm -hmm. sitting up, touching Adira. But my favorite thing, the thing that just makes me weep, is when Hugh comes in the door and Gray just rushes him and jumps into yeah. his arms. And I'm just like, 
this family's finally home. Yep, the hug. But, and then the promise to, to hug the guardian as soon as he can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really want, and I told you this, Brandy, I really want to see Paul meeting Gray for the first time. I don't know if they're going to show that, but I really hope that they do. Yeah. Because I hope so, I too. really want to see it. Yeah. I, I, want, I want them to give us that for Stamets. It's a little yeah. like having one of the daddies away from the birth of a child, in a way, you know? Yeah. That it's weird that Paul's not there. Yeah, it's like if my, you know, like my dad used to go on TDY a lot in the Air Force, so uh-huh. he would be, you know, it's like it's another, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. Paul is on Navarre. Yeah. Yeah. With the Science Council. So yeah. there's a reason why he's not there. But yeah, that, that was the thing that made me cry the most in this episode. It just um, wrecked me in the best way. And I'm supposed to start out every episode with a tissue in my hand. And I didn't do that. And so Dave oh had God. to hand me Seriously? tissue. I know. I'm an idiot. So I can just imagine Dave handing you the tissue and not even looking at you or blinking, like not without even a wink, just automatically. No. Well, he has done that sometimes. But this I scolded time, he's just her like, this time. Did... He did scold me. He said, why didn't you start with a tissue? You know better. <laughs> yeah, it was like, shouldn't you have a tissue already for this? You knew yeah. this was coming. Yeah. This is a beautiful episode. In many ways, it felt like an epilogue, not an epilogue, but it felt like a... a um another a bookend i'm not choosing the right word but yeah, it's a resolution yeah yeah it's Which, uh forget me not is one of my favorite trek episodes of all time now yeah it, it, it felt is. like the the uh yeah it is if you will a transition mm-hmm. because uh-huh. that's yeah. the thing about a transition is one thing is ending while another is beginning Oh, like the path, like the co-op Milat, you mean? Yeah. Like Interesting. Imagine that. Death card choosing into tarot. To path too. Choosing to live, you mm. guys. It doesn't it's... mean just choose to live because you're you're going to die if you don't. Yeah. It's like mm. choose your path. Choose choose how you want to choose live. Choose life. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> Take a pill and swim in a toilet. I have girls all train spotting. <laughs> Yeah, I chose not to choose life. I chose something else. Yeah, I haven't seen this movie, and I'm yeah. never going to. So I'll. Just... Oh, it's good. It's no, good, it's, but there's gross dark. stuff that she would it's very not dark. Take yeah. very well. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't need that. It's rough darkness. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about this episode? Anybody? I am good. I think we have waffled on about it for quite some time. Yeah, I sang my praises mm-hmm. of their little pub area. So I'm mm-hmm. good. It's just. It's a great episode. Yeah. It just, there were so many different emotional levels to this episode, and each one of them made me cry. So, well done, Discovery. You are having a spotless streak of Brandy Cry. Yeah, this is You've good. Done it again. Solid season. Yeah. So, all right. Well, then it's time for everybody's favorite weird segment. Hey, what do you like? So, I'm going to start with who did I start with last week? I started with Chris last week. Let's start with Dave this week, Dave. Okay, uh, start with me. I'm big into music. You should know that by now. I go by the moniker DJ Evil Dave. So over from Black Friday to Cyber Monday, this record label that I'm somewhat associated with, they send me stuff and like emails about latest releases and stuff. From Black Friday to Cyber Sunday, or Cyber Monday, Monday. sorry, they released all their previous like prior to 2021 music for free 
you could go to Bandcamp and download for free. Or if you wanted to keep it in your Bandcamp library, you could just do a dollar. And so I, to say that phrase again, filled my boots. And it took forever. I ended up with like 1,500 songs. Oh, my God. <laughs> From various artists across multiple genres. Uh, some really great stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And Artifact releases some free-to-download compilations, too, if you're interested. So, yeah, they're on Bandcamp, Artifact, and that's Art of Fact. Records like you're spelling those out is one word. And, yeah, there's... Uh, Tons of stuff available and pretty recent prices. So, yeah, uh, check that out. Very cool. Very cool. All right, Chris, you're up. Okay. So I have spent some time with my parents lately, and my dad has not watched any new Star Trek, any of the new Star Trek in the last few years. And he has watched a sprinkling of Enterprise episodes. He was fairly familiar with Voyager and DS9, Next Gen and TOS, really he knows well. Um, the I decided we would start with Picard. So I brought my Roku down mm. to San Antonio and we, ha we made it through the first four episodes. Um, and then when I go back for the rest of the holidays, we'll, we'll finish the season off. And I like watching Picard with my dad, watching Star Trek <laughs> nice. with my dad again. And I was really nervous because it's so different. Mm -hmm. And he's old school, old school Trekker, yeah. Trekkie, really. And um, he's loving it. And Yay. he he's like, he's like, he's like, pause it, pause it. And so I'll pause it and he'll be like, ask me questions about because you know there's like little things woven in from all sorts of series and different things or i'll pause it and i'll be like okay remember this guy remember the borg that got that got separated from the collective and became best friends with Jordy, blah 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 and he's like oh yeah 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 and so he's like remembering all these little things and then i'll like pause it and I'll be like, okay, remember in the original series, like when Kirk is fighting the Gorn or whatever, and the musical theme, dun, 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 dun. And so when they zoom out and show the Borg cube at the end of the first episode, I'm like, there it is. Like, isn't that brilliant? Blah, blah, blah. And then when Seven of Nine shows up, he was like, oh, Seven of Nine. <laughs> and it's just, we're loving it. And he's, I mean, he says stuff about, because obviously the language is more colorful now, but we talked about the storytelling and how, you know, there's only 13 episodes or 10 episodes or whatever. Ten. And how, yeah. yeah, there are fewer now in the seasons. And I, he was like, wow, this is really epic. Um, and I was like, yeah, but with the writing and telling the story like this, like a novel, it really makes every moment important. It, they have to make every moment count and everything has to be impactful and important. So you really get a sense of, you know, the characters are also flawed. They have all these sides to him. And he's loving how they're showing that in Picard, how they're making it, they're making his service in Starfleet and all of that irreverent. And it's like they're throwing him away because of the bureaucracy, because my dad is retired military. And so he can relate in many ways with where Picard is now. And so it's like, I'm actually enjoying Picard now more watching it, this go through than when it first came out. And there's, of course, it's really nice to watch with my daddy because yeah. he's the one who got me into Star Trek. That's what I like. Mm -hmm. Nice. Okay. Mine is sort of weird, but traditional. Now, I have to preface this by saying 
I am not gay, and I do not know what the gay experience is. But <laughs> Netflix has made a oh gay God. Christmas movie, and it's called Single All the Way, and it is fucking amazing. <laughs> is it with Michael Yuri? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it so much. Now, again, this is, I'm not the target audience of this movie. I am well aware of that. But I. In- the gay best friend? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I like a gay best friend, and there's the gay's best friend. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. But see, the thing is, is that the gay best friend was actually a gay best friend. And oh, okay. so it's best friends who don't understand that they're in love with each other. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So, or maybe they do and just don't want to vocalize it. Anyway, I'm not going to spoil it, but <laughs> the thing that surprised me the most, and I knew one of these from the trailer, but there are t- not one, but two Hallmark hotties in this movie. <laughs> Because obviously it was filmed in Canada because everything's fucking filmed in Canada now. And you get extra money and stuff like that. And you actually have to have a certain amount of Canadian actors in your films and television. And so um, one of both of these guys, I believe both of them are Canadian. but And as far as their actual sexuality in real life, I don't know if they're gay. I'm going to guess that they are. But it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. You know, they play gay very well. So I'm assuming they have some experience with that. But the thing that I love the most is that it doesn't follow a lot of the same tropes as typical movies. Because um, Peter, who's our main character, played by Michael Yuri, he is going home for Christmas. And he's tired of always being the single one. Everybody else in the family is married. And his mother is really getting relatable yeah really getting on <laughs> his case and she's hilarious played by kathy najimi oh and forget it i'm in i know right there's also there's also jennifer coolidge anyway oh fuck you thank you okay i'm watching it before i accept <laughs> and barry bostwick and, and Barry Bostwick playing Peter's dad. Um, I don't care what anybody says. Barry Bostwick still hot even in his seventies. Oh my god, those cool. eyes! He's great. He's great. Yeah. I love him. So I'm not going to talk about the plot of it. All I can say is I laughed out loud multiple times, That's and uh, the all of the tropes of the Hallmark Christmas movie were really kind of taken and stood on their heads. So there are certain things where it's like, oh, well, they're going to do, oh, I see, they're going to do this. There's always like a Christmas pageant or something, but it ain't yeah, like any Christmas pageant. Uh, no, actually, it wasn't snowing. Well, actually, okay. technically, they weren't in the snow. Anyway, long story <laughs> short, I I appreciate that Netflix is doing this, is making these movies with gay couples. And that needs to be presented as normal because it is. Is. <laughs> yeah. There well, yeah. are yeah. people in the world. Yeah. The Hallmark's also... not getting there yet, but they're getting closer. Yeah. They're getting better. They've, yeah. Yeah. You were going to say, There's Chris? There's an um, animated series called Q-Force, which uh, <laughs> Sean Hayes is an executive producer, and he plays the lead character. Oh. And Wanda Sykes is in it. And oh, plays this God. real butch lesbian. Nice. And it's 
You mean herself? The first couple episodes, she it's like way. It's like her to a thousand. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. I love it's pretty funny so far. I've only seen the first couple episodes. That's amazing. It's just it's just funny to me because I I knew that one Harmelik Hardy was in it, and his he's a guy named um, uh, Luke McFarlane, and I've seen him in several. He's very tall, very tall, muscular, etc. Also looks very good with a beard or without. You know, one of those. And so he was the he was the blind date that mom set him up with because he's the only gay guy in this town. <laughs> he, oh Lord. Reminds me no, of little he, Britain. And that's that's exactly Peter's reaction. Oh my gosh. It's the only gay in the village. It's like, no, you're Sounds not. Like I'm the target audience. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he, he is he is objectively hot. And there's another Hallmark hottie who's in there. He's not in there very long. He's in the beginning. And I just didn't expect to see him. I'm like, oh, I know that guy too. I've seen him in many Hallmark movies. Well, not as many as, as Luke McFarlane, but, and his name is Steve Lund and even taller. It's like these giant men. But, um, all I can say is besides all the things that I've already said is that I really loved this movie. I would watch it again. I enjoyed it so much. It presents the crazy family in a positive light. And it shines a light on parents trying to learn about how to treat LGBTQ communities and people. Because mom is reading this book about all these misconceptions about LGBTQ uh, individuals. And she keeps saying, first time she says LGBTT. <laughs> and he's like, no, I think you meant Q. No, I don't think so. And then it was <laughs> later on. It was LGBTTT. You know, she oh, just. But she's she's good at heart. She just she really is. She just wants her son to be happy. She yeah, could not nice. care less about him being gay. She's just trying to be a sensitive mother and also get her son married off. But uh, but yeah, and the, no annoying children. There are children in it, but they're not annoying. So that was also a nice surprise. They weren't precocious. They were adorable. There's also a dog at the beginning. So it's got something for everyone. So if you like romance in any way, shape, or form and Christmas movies, this is the perfect show for you. So I'm watching it for sure. Once again, single all the way on Netflix. So I saw the trailer for it. Actually, Linda Carter was pimping it on her Twitter and saying, yes, finally, some representation for for linda gay carter. people linda carter's a goddess literally well, yeah like she's she been is... a gay icon for ages so yeah she yeah. knows yeah, her she's fan base and, yeah. amazing well not only that but she's an activist and mm-hmm. she, an ally and she's just oh, yeah. amazing so i'm just like well if linda's behind it i'm on board but i watched the trailer anyway and i'm like this looks so good <laughs> and i was i was not wrong i was not wrong so yeah Good times, good times. There also, I do recommend watching the credits because there is a song going on during the credits that gets really meta towards the end, and it's just funny. <laughs> Especially since the guy doing the song just has a bit part in the movie, but I found out that it's Kathy Najimi's husband. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> just watch it, you guys. It's fun. It's fun. Single all the way. Single all the way. Okay. Nice pun. I like that. Yeah. Then it is that time. It is that time to tell people where you are. Shut it down. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> no more fun times. Got to tell people where you are. So, Chris, where well, are you? 
I'm on Instagram at CD Littlefield. Cool. That's nice and simple. Mm-hmm. Dave, where are you? I'm at Dark Cornercast, all one word. That's on Twitter. You can mostly find me there. I also have a mix right up now for the midwinter season on SoundCloud under DJ Evil Dave. And? And we do a podcast together called the Dark Corner Podcast, but you can also find that on Twitter, as I'll often link to it. And it is there in my bio alongside a link to What the Future Holds, which is right now. Yes. You can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12. I do not interact with trolls, so fuck off if you're a troll. If you're a troll, you're not listening to this anyway. If you're a troll, uh, you're probably allergic to some night. Troll free. <laughs> troll free since, since 2020. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's where you can find out about all the stuff I'm doing. I do some other podcasts. Um, I do Vedic Assembly, which is about Deep Space Nine and Boldly Go, which is about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, although that one has kind of fallen by the wayside. Not sure exactly what's going on there. We'll give you more information when, if I have it. And uh, then there's the Unready Room, which is a live show I do with my friend Dan, whom I adore. He is like the nicest human being on the planet. And uh, we just have a really good time doing that. We're talking about New Trek as it happens, of course. So we will be covering this episode on that show. And it keeps moving around with the time because of his work schedule. And so this week it's going to be at 7 p.m. But I doubt I'm going to have this out before then. (laughs) I thought I saw the post and it said 9 p.m. 6 p.m. Eastern. It's 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. But for me, it's 7 7 p.m. And frankly, that's all that matters. Yeah. So because I have to show up. Yeah. I have to show up on time. But um, so, yeah, Saturday usually is when we do it sometimes it's noon sometimes it's 7 p.m or 2 p.m and 9 p.m if you're on the east coast just figure it out for whatever time zone you're in mountain the oft forgotten time zone yep so yeah central get mentioned before mountain does yeah yeah chicago and all that so weird Mm -hmm. anyway all right then well that's a wrap on this episode of Star Trek Discovery. It just keeps getting better, you guys. So we will see you again soon. See, I keep saying see. I don't care anymore. We'll see you again soon and uh, cover episode four, which I have forgotten the title of, but that's okay. So uh, stick around and maybe you'll find out what the future holds. Uh-huh.